Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and... Starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's David and Isaac. We are back with another episode of Hoop Ball Grizz. We come back with somebody that was not here last night to allow him to defend himself. We, we didn't want to bash him last night. We wanted to uh, give him an opportunity to give us his side of it. Mr. Joe Molinax from Grizzly Bear Blues. Joe, how's it going, man? Whoa, 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 whoa. What happened last night? Are you trying to say that you guys <laughs> were, were, were slandering me on, on this wonderful podcast? I, I do listen to the show. I missed it last night. You're, you're trying to tell me you guys were crushing me? No, I don't think that we were crushing. We, y- your name was brought up a couple times. <laughs> oh, I was yeah, like, man. you know what? We got to get Joe on here so and we can get Isaac his side. On, I've had Isaac on our show yeah. in the past. Isaac and I go way back. You would do me dirty like that, Isaac. <laughs> no, man. It's just po- positive disagreement. That's what, I'll, that's what I'll call it. <laughs> and I do think that's important to point out. Is you can... You can disagree respectfully. Yeah, for sure. And, I, and at least on my end, because I, I and uh, David, I don't know how long you've you followed my work over at GBB. I know Isaac has a while. Uh, it's been very hard for me in the past because I've always been kind of the 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 redheaded stepchild, so to speak. And that's probably not a good 2021 term, but you know, I, I haven't always been beloved uh, among these fans. <laughs> So it, it's weird to be on the opposite end of it now on a positive front note and have people, you know, be mad at me because they think I'm a shill for the organization, which I still think is hilarious. Yeah, like I was going to say, why, why, why are you a mouthpiece <laughs> for, for Zach Lyman, man? <laughs> which, again, if you followed me for a while, you know how absurd that is. Um, but it, it's just funny how things, you know, it's kind of like the dark night. You either, you know, die a hero or you live long enough to become the villain, I guess. You either... You either die a hater of the organization or you, you're a blogger long enough to become a shill for them. It, it's strange, but um, you, you're able to disagree respectfully. And I think folks have done that with me for the most part far better than they have in the past. You know, I've had all sorts of insults hurled at me, not by either of you, of course, but by, you know, just random fans, Twitters, Twitter followers, yeah. that sort of thing. Uh, at yeah. least we're disrespectful or at least we are respectfully, excuse me, disagreeing. I can certainly live with that. Yeah, Twitter Twitter can be rough, man. I mean, that you read some of the stuff on there, man. I used to be a lot more aggressive and kind of get into these back and forth with people, but I've kind of calmed down over the years. I mean, you're not gonna not gonna solve anything. You're not gonna ever come to an agreement on there, and I've realized that. So it's no really no sense in wasting time on it. Yeah, no, you're yeah, exactly man. right. You're, you're exactly right, and and I think that that is part of my individual growth as someone who's covered the team for eight years now, or a little even a little more than eight years. 
to be in the spot that I'm in and been around as long as I have. You know, it's taken me a long time, but I think I've finally reached that place this year. And and like I said, I think it was last night. You know, I I, I was having conversations with folks while you know my my three month old son was in my lap. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not I'm not angry as I sit there. I'm playing with my kids. So it's uh it's it's fun to have those conversations because that's how you learn, man. You know what I mean? Like when you if you only put yourself around folks that agree with you, uh, then you're not gonna learn you're not going to expand your own understanding of a sport or any topic so i think it's good to have that discourse yeah i can't tell you how many times i've been having a a conversation on twitter and just had to go and look something up that you know somebody made a point and i'm like okay i gotta go look that up because sometimes people will throw stuff out there that's not factual yeah just to try and (laughs) you know aid, aid their argument and it's really I I've enjoyed it. You know, I, I think you and I have been in, you and I, Joe have been in a, a few different conversations and not necessarily, we were disagreeing, just, just discussing stuff. And you know, there's been a couple of times you made a comment and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go back and I'm going to look. And a lot of times you can find different information. I know at one point we were having a conversation about um, defensive rating and it was uh, Zach Levine and Dylan Brooks. And I looked it up on like basketball reference and they had different different numbers on basketball reference than wherever you got your information and you, you right time but but it's been a while so I, I don't remember but yeah i i enjoy the growth and since i've started doing this and, and isaac has come on board it's definitely uh propelled me in the direction that i wanted to go so we have we brought you on isaac pointed out that you're a you're more of a, a glass half full kind of <laughs> And, and both of Which us again is hilarious. Like that has not always been the case. <laughs> no, he's right. That, that hasn't always been the case with, with Joe. But here, here lately, that's kind of kind of been the deal. <laughs> so we we were trying to get your insight. Like Isaac and I were both pretty upset after that loss last night. And and I get the scheduling. I understand the young team. Like I I get all of that. But were you happy with the effort that those guys were giving out there last night? And I think that's the disconnect, right? Like, no, of course I wasn't happy with their effort. I I think they played terribly. I said that multiple times. And, you know, after my football season ended, I've gotten to get back into writing more regularly over at Grizzly Bear Blues. And, you know, I've criticized Coach Jenkins. I criticized Ja Morant. You know, I've I've written multiple pieces about Ja, you know, especially defensively regressing this season. You know, there's there's pieces and, and bits on my Twitter account and obviously at the site that I can critique this team. It's not about them being above criticism or critique. It's about, for me, and we literally renamed our our, uh, full recap over at GBB this season that Parker Fleming usually does for us uh, because he's the guy that covers in person there at at the forum. Uh, We've renamed it the long view because, to me, uh, I have taken this front office at their word, and their actions have backed up that word. And their actions and their word have said all along that they don't care about the individual results of the season. Now, that doesn't mean the players don't, and that doesn't mean the coaches don't. And I think Chris Harrington, the Daily Memphian, made a great point recently. You know, the fact that Jaron Jackson Jr. isn't starting right now and Kyle Anderson is, I think is evidence. And and Chris made this point, and I agree with him. I think that's evidence that they're trying to walk that line still. Because if this was truly just about development, there's no reason to have Kyle Anderson still there as your starting four. It it doesn't make sense. You just bump everybody up. Jaron slides in. 
you know, is Desmond Bain a good basketball player? I love Desmond Bain. Has Grayson Allen had a good season? Yeah, he has. But your five best players are probably Ja, Dylan, Kyle, Jaron, when he's healthy and, and fully integrated, and Jonas. I think that's fair to say. So you start those guys, and they should fit. But Kyle has played very well at the four, and Dylan has played better at the three. And they're trying to walk the line of remaining competitive because the coaches and players, obviously players first and foremost, have put the team in a position that very few expected them to be in in terms of not where they currently are right now, because they've obviously had a cold stretch. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they've lost a decent amount of games in the last couple of weeks here. It might be like six of their last eight or something like that at this stage. Um, maybe you guys can help me out with that because mm-hmm. I don't have it in front of me. But anyway, that, yeah, they've that, lost that sounds right. four, four and six over the four, last Four and six, team. I know for sure. Thank yeah. you. So, th- so they are not playing particularly well right now. And, and I think that's obvious to everybody. Uh, but at the same time, they are trying to work in Jaron, and that's a challenge because Jaron disrupts their rotations. Whether you like Jaron, I, I don't think anybody hates Jaron, but you know, one of our own writers last night compared him to Andrea Bargiani, which I, I wanted to at least fine <laughs> Nate Chester on the spot for that statement. Um, maybe not fire. Firing would have been strong. But anyway, my point is, even if you believe that Jaron is one of their best players, and I would argue he's their best two-way player when he's right, he is going to disrupt what they've done all season because Kyle's been the four and Dylan's been the three. And unless you take out Jonas, which I don't necessarily agree with this, but there's an argument to be made that Jonas has been their best player this season. Unless you bench him and make him a reserve, Jaron's not going to play the five. So they're in a spot where they're trying to get Jaron back into the mix. And obviously before that, it was justice. And, you know, we can debate that as well. I think that's kind of been beaten into the ground. But they have proven time and again that they do not care about eking out a few extra wins this season in the exchange of what they, you know, data accumulation, uh, sustained success, the North Star, the organization, all the things that Zach Kleiman has talked about multiple times in his media availabilities. And, and uh, excuse me, Taylor Jenkins has echoed and the players have echoed. You know, they're kind of towing the company line because players and coaches, of course, want to compete. But I, it's important to point out that everything they've done has backed up with or jived with what they've said. They didn't go out at the trade deadline and try to bring in an Evan Fournier or some other wing that would have made the team better. They didn't take advantage of Gorgie Jang's expiring contract and try to go get one of those guys. Maybe those offers weren't on the table, or maybe they were on the table, but the the cost was too high for Memphis to get into the fold. But the fact remains that everything they've done, whether it is the way they've played guys, the rotations they've done, Outside of maybe trying D'Anthony Melton as a starter, which uh, I feel like in the in the name of data accumulation, if you have three good to great shooting guards or average to good shooting guards is maybe more fair. There's one guy that hasn't had a chance to start very often. And it's arguably the best one in D'Anthony Melton. Um, but beyond that, they have done everything in the name of trying to figure out who fits with jaw long term. And to a lesser extent, Jaron, because obviously Jaron just hasn't played. But they've they've really prioritized development. They've prioritized finding ways to get these guys in a position to fit with Jaw, because I think they are coming up on, and they understand this, they're coming up on a time 
and I think it's coming this year, at least in my opinion, the next step should be this coming year. They are coming up on a time where they're going to be expected to do more than overachieve by being in the play-in tournament. You know what I'm saying? Like, very few people outside of Memphis expected them to be in this position because they didn't have Jaron. He wasn't there. He, he was not an option for them starting the season, and folks thought that they would just collapse and they'd have a top-10 pick. But that's not where they're going to be. Even if they do collapse these last week or so, the worst they would be is like, 50, uh, you know, 14, essentially, or, or in that mix at the very end of the lottery. So they, they are better than most people thought they would be, especially folks that are outside of Memphis. I think even the most optimistic Memphis person had them as the eight or seven seed. So at worst, they're doing what you expected them to do without Jaron Jackson Jr., while missing multiple weeks because of COVID while not having enough time to practice when you're trying to integrate to a lesser extent, Justice Winslow, but certainly Jaron Jackson Jr. I just think with all that context and understanding what this front office has put in front of these coaches and players, the fact they're in the spot they're in is very impressive to me. And I am able to look at the season with that long view mentality. And maybe I'm crazy for that. Maybe I'm wrong. I I don't see many other people agreeing with my perspective, but I, I am able to be okay after a bad loss. It was a bad loss, but they are still ahead of what I expected them to be. And I know that people say that expectations can change, but I, I guess I use my playing and coaching career. If I go into a season as a football coach without my best player who goes both ways, a running back and a linebacker, for example. And I'm I'm young. You know, he's my one senior on the team, or he's my one experienced kid on the team, and the rest of the team's young. And I am a 500 team, and I'm in the mix to make the playoffs. When that guy comes back, I'm thrilled. Like, I am super excited about that reality. And, And I think that that's where the Grizzlies are. And you see flashes of them being successful, and you think that they can build upon it. But we have to remember they're young. And we have to remember that they're, you know, a mediocre basketball team right now. And mediocre basketball teams have nights of brilliance and nights of, you know, duds. And that's exactly what it was against the Pistons and the Magic, of course. That was another one. That uh, They are not beyond criticism. But I am comfortable with where they are in the long view. And I think that my ability to maintain that, for whatever reason, uh, maybe I've just become more patient as I've gotten older, but for whatever reason, I think that's what sets me apart it, from being angry about this is the fact that I I expected less of them. And because they're here, even though they are currently in the short term underachieving, in the long term, they're still so far ahead of what I anticipated them being able to do without Jaron. Yeah, we're talking with side manager of SB Nation, Grizzly Bear Blues, Joe Mullinex here on the Hoop Ball Grizz podcast. But you made some great points there. But my thing that the front office, at the beginning of the season, you're right. They said this was going to be a developmental year, and they've stuck to that. But you, you made a point about maybe expectations can change. And that's kind of where I differ from you on this, is I think I think this team has shown a level of competitiveness that goes beyond the developmental stage. I know it's the second year to rebuild. I know these guys are young, but I think we've seen this team at times play, go up against some of the best teams in, in the league and go toe-to-toe with them. I think this team has shown 
that they're past that point. I, I think they're competitive enough to – you shouldn't be losing. I, I, I know they're young, but I, I just don't think you should lose games like you lost, lost last night. I know the schedule has been crazy. Uh, I mean, you could say tired legs, but, I mean, they were going to get to – a team that that's bad when healthy, missing seven rotation players. I mean, it's it's just I, I just think I've seen this team be too good to lose these type of games, and it's not like it's a one off. They've lost these type of games all year. Whether you go back to the the first game in OKC or the Clippers game on the seven game road trip or the first Golden State Warriors game on the front end of that that home that home home series here in Memphis, and you go again last night, and they've just done this over and over, and it's just hard for me to give them a pass when we've seen what we've seen from this team this year. And I saw you make a point this morning on Twitter where you said you kind of wish they hadn't been as good as they were because maybe we wouldn't have these expectations. And going into the season, we all said, well, we're not going to have any expectations. We understand this is a developmental year. And then they go out and do some of the things that we've seen them do this year. And it's just kind of hard for me to give them a pass when they lose a game like last night. When you lose to the Bucks by one or the Nuggets by one or and you go to the Nuggets and lose in overtime, you, you can give them a little bit more of a pass on those type of games. But losing a game last night, man, I just – even though the front office has said this is a developmental year, we know the front office is kind of stuck to that and that's kind of what they're doing. I, I still don't – I don't think you can use that as an excuse for losing a game last, last, last night. I, I think that a bit of the difference is – my perception of the transitive property. What I mean by that is the Utah Jazz are pretty widely regarded as one of the very best teams in the NBA, right? Them, the Phoenix Suns, at least regular season teams. I don't think anybody's going out there saying the Jazz are going to, you know, beat the Clippers or the Lakers or, you know, somebody along those lines in the Western Conference. But regular season, the Jazz have been one of the best teams. And the Jazz have lost to the Minnesota Timberwolves three times. Okay, three times this season, the Jazz, one of the best teams in the NBA, have been eaten, been beaten by one of the worst teams in the NBA. I I think that the Grizzlies recently beat the Timberwolves this week, as a matter of fact. So does that make the Grizzlies better than the Jazz? And of course it doesn't. Right. The Jazz are a better team. And when Memphis was doing well, the Grizzlies were winning games consistently. The only team they lost to over like a 10 game stretch was the Utah Jazz. Right. Because the Utah Jazz are really good. So I think that we, we get hung up, and it's not just you, Isaac. Again, I'm acknowledging I'm in the minority here, and my ability to keep that expectation as the season's uh, games have played out is kind of what separates me, I guess, for better or worse. I'm not saying I'm, I'm right. I've, I've been wrong plenty of times. I, I, just, I just believe what I believe as I watch the team. Um, I think that when you watch them play, Right. And you watch a team like the Jazz or you watch a team like the Suns with Chris Paul and all the amazing things he's doing. The Grizzlies are just clearly not that team. They don't have that veteran player. Right. And, and please don't get this into a conversation about Jay Crowder, because I really don't want to talk about Jay Crowder. <laughs> no, not, not going to go there. <laughs> but I think in fairness to Jay, a player like Jay Crowder you know, not one that shoots 29% from three and takes <laughs> shots away from other people, but a player like Jay Crowder, a Solomon Hill, for example, I, I think that would be a better choice if you're trying to make an example of a veteran that could help lead this Grizzlies team. It doesn't have to be a star like Chris. Yeah, Paul. even like Anthony Tolliver, the guy that they had sure. last year would be a, would Absolutely. a great guy. And Tolliver just recently signed, I think, even a second-year contract in another year. With Philly. Now, that might be for trade purposes in the offseason, but that's neither here nor there. Like, Anthony Tolliver is still 
doing important things in the NBA. So Tolliver's a good example, too. I'm with you on that. I think that they don't have that and they're missing it. You know, Jonas, even though he's technically a veteran, is not really that guy. Same thing with Kyle. That They're missing that veteran 30-plus-year-old guy who's been in the league a while. To play in the NBA that long, especially if you're a role player, you have to be a pro. You have to go about yeah. things the right way. You have to have a certain mentality that I, I think that the Grizzlies are missing at this stage. I think that's fair to say. Um, I think that when you look at what they're doing schematically, I think Jenkins is making some good adjustments, which is kind of, again, fans get frustrated when I say that. But our Sean Coleman, who does a great job with the Lockdown Grizzlies podcast, he wrote an article for the blog Friday that talked about, you know, some defensive adjustments that the Grizzlies have made and it's helped lead them to some success. Now, maybe it's poorly timed after the way they played defense the last couple of games. But in the, in, again, in the long view of the season, Taylor Jenkins and his staff have done a pretty solid job adjusting, especially defensively. So I, I think that it, it's all relative in terms of how you perceive the schedule. I don't think it's an accident that the night that the Grizzlies uh, had struggles, the Spurs also get blown out. Uh, you know, the Spurs give up a 30-point lead. You know, Memphis gives up a, cert, uh, a, a lead as well. I believe that was the Orlando Magic game. And, and yeah. the same night, uh, the Spurs gave up a 30-point lead against the Celtics. Celtics. So the, the, the fact that the Spurs and the Grizzlies are the two teams that are playing the most games post-All-Star, I, I don't know that that's an accident that, that that occurred. Maybe it's coincidence it happened the same night. But, you know, the Spurs have kind of sputtered down the stretch as well. And you, it really puts you in a situation where you look at the – the quality of the roster, and I do think that they're as deep as they've ever been uh, in terms of 1 to 15. But at the same time, and we had this conversation on the Grizzly Bear Blue Slack, and I can ask you guys this question. It's your podcast, so I, I don't want to be asking you the questions. We tried to decide how many of the current Grizzlies players would be on the rotation or in the rotation, not on the roster, in the rotation for the Utah Jazz or for the Phoenix Suns. And I think the number is maybe five or six, you know, so I, I guess that at least that's my number. So my point is they're still in a rebuilding phase. Their starting shooting guard has either been a rookie that was drafted in the 30th overall pick in this past draft that 29 other teams passed on, or he has been a player that was viewed as a throw in in the Mike Conley trade who has progressed from being someone who they wondered if they would still be in the NBA to proving that he's a valid NBA rotation player. I, I think that we have to keep the perspective of they are not a finished product. John Morant, if you want to say he's their best player, and I, I think obviously he's supposed to be, uh, everything's built around him, especially offensively, uh, he's 21 years old. And, and for every star-studded night like he had against the Timberwolves, there's going to be nights that he gets outplayed by Corey Joseph because he's a 21-year-old point guard who is learning how to play in the NBA at one of the most difficult positions to demonstrate that experience and that leadership that's necessary. And Jaws had some success this season. I'm not trying to make it sound like he hasn't, but I think that we get, we, we allow for the wins, the competitive losses that you alluded to Isaac. We, we let those get our hopes up and we forget for a moment what they are. And when they lose to the Pistons or when they lose to the Magic in the way that they do, two teams that are actively not trying to win. I don't think it's fair to say that those coaches and players are trying to lose because they're not. But 
the organization is trying to not win. They're not putting themselves in the best position to win. They're not walking the line like the Grizzlies are. They're clearly over the line. Um, it, it can be frustrating, especially for a team that you say, oh, well, they're in a playoff push. They should be competing. They should be fighting. I think they are. They just don't have as good of a hand as some folks believe they do. And it doesn't have to do with the organization failing or the coaches failing or the players failing. It's just when you overachieve, sometimes when you regress back to what you were supposed to be, even if it's just for brief moments, it can kind of be a shock to the system. Yeah, I I get that. I'm my biggest issue with a lot of these losses, like the, the, the losses that were just, you know, we talked about it last night, like unacceptable losses, the, the lead that they had Madison square garden and they couldn't close the game. They gave that up to the Knicks, the Clippers game when they were playing like the Clippers third string couldn't finish it off the magic game, this Pistons game. To me, it's not necessarily a coaching thing. It's an effort thing from the players and that's where that's where I get heated. I can agree with all of the points that you were making about, you know, like the coaching staff and this front office making great decisions and the, this team being far ahead of where we expected them to be. But I have an issue with this facade that Jenkins is putting on when he's sitting in a post-game uh, press conference and he's saying yeah, we're on the right track and, and the guys are not out there there's nothing that anybody can tell me that's going to convince me that they were giving it their all last night. I, there, there was too many plays where I was sitting there watching this game and Dylan Brooks was just standing around and I love Dylan. This is not a, a me. Like he's one of my favorite Grizzly players, but th- there were a couple plays where he was just standing around. He wasn't moving a whole lot on the offensive end. I saw a jaw doing the same thing and it seems like there's nobody to hold them accountable Maybe the veteran leader is what they need. Maybe a veteran would be somebody that would kind of, you know, keep them in check. But to me, okay, we realize there's not a veteran player on this team, and I know that they know it too. Somebody needs to be that guy. If it's not going to be one of the players, somebody on that coaching staff, they've got guys that have played in the league on that coaching staff that they can be like, listen, this effort that you're given is not enough. And even though they are far and away better than what we thought that they were going to be this season, games like last night and those other examples I gave, it seemed to me that it was they went in with the attitude of we're just going to win this game by showing up, and they didn't put the effort in. And that's where my problem lies. If they lose a game because they're tired or because they don't know how to close a game, I can deal with that. But when they lose these games because there's no effort and it doesn't appear like anybody on the coaching staff is doing anything to try and motivate them, that's what really gets under my skin. And so I've I've been kind of on your side of it for the biggest part of the year of developmental season, young team. We want to see what pieces are going to work with Ja, what pieces are going to be on this roster long term and which ones we need to trade. So I've been on that side the majority of the season, but there's been a handful of times where it's really just drove me up the wall because the lack of effort was not there. And so my, my question to you would be this, where, where is that line? Where do you have to take into consideration this is a developmental season? 
but when is enough enough? When, when do you allow these guys or, or when does somebody step up and say, Hey, you're not putting out the effort that we expect of you every night. Where, where is that line for you? That's a, that's a good question. Uh, I wrote an article earlier this week uh, called the growing pains of the Grizzlies in Memphis, something along those lines. And I, I critique exactly what you're talking about in terms of immaturity. I think that we're dealing with a young, immature team because with youth comes immaturity. And we've all been there, right? Like, again, that's I, I feel like we 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 talk about athletes. And Isaac, I think you may have talked about this a little bit earlier this week. They talking about athletes like they're not humans, you know, dehumanizing yeah. them. And and that's not fair. Right. Like they they are very much humans, just like we are, of course. And and I think that when you are a second year head coach in the NBA, like Taylor Jenkins, a second year player in the NBA, like John Morant, you're going to do things that you're likely going to regret. And the way that the Knicks game ended is a great example of that. When Memphis was in that game, they could have come back. There was a possibility of them still winning, and then Taylor Jenkins gets himself ejected. So on one hand, Jenkins is defending his player. I think in the long run that can earn him points with job that he put his neck out there for Morant. But at the same time, in that moment, you could easily argue that helped cost them the game. Same thing with John Morant getting ejected and having his, you know, issue with, you know, Tony Brothers kind of getting further, further uh, indoctrinated to the NBA, uh, having an issue with the officiating of Tony Brothers. But at the same time, it was terrible timing like that. The technicals that he took to get ejected, your head coach and your best player are now out for the last minute of game. Plus, you just gave the opposition four points and then a fifth one counting Dylan Brooks's tech. Uh, you're, you put yourself in a spot where you're going to lose or you're much more likely to lose because you weren't able to keep your composure. And then in the case of uh, Jenkins, not really addressing it in the postgame presser, I, I think you mentioned in particular, David, the, uh, what he said, everything's going great when they didn't play particularly hard or as hard as they should have against the Pistons. He doesn't word things particularly well. And I think that that is definitely a fair criticism of him. If he just genuinely doesn't care, then he's making a mistake because Grizzlies fans pay attention to those pressers and the media will call you out if you're not actively participating in those pressers. Like Peter Edmiston will call you out. He's done that multiple times. Um, <laughs> Anthony Sane will call you out. Uh, I think that you, and he just may not care. And that's certainly possible, but you're going to definitely alienate some people that way. I think that's fair to say. Uh, but I also think that with youth comes immaturity. You know, I think John Morant going on Twitter and, and complaining about Tony Brothers more instead of, you know, to the credit of Jaw, he's been his own worst critic at times, or, or biggest critic when it comes to his play. I think that was an opportunity for him to criticize and be a leader and come out and say, you know, I shouldn't have done that. I should have, take, I should have just kept my mouth shut. I should have just played on. I knew my team needed me in that moment. We were still in the game. But he didn't do that, you know, and he, and he just kind of built upon it. Uh, after the game. So, but again, he's 21 years old. Think about what you were doing when you were 21 years old. You probably weren't leading an NBA franchise. You know what? I know I wasn't. So it, it, the mistakes that he's making are on such a big stage. Taylor Jenkins being 36, he's only two years older than me. And he he's running an NBA franchise for the second year. So I do believe there's some immaturity there that goes along with the youth. He shouldn't have said what he said after the Pistons game, because that is something that can be latched on to. I don't want to say taken out of context because he said exactly what he said, but he could have said in the long term, we're still on a good path. This was just one night. 
And I think that could have been a better way for him to try to articulate what I think he was trying to say. But at the, at the same time, I don't want to put words in his mouth. What he said is what you said he said. And it didn't sound good given what the product was on the floor. I think he needs to get better at understanding that his words carry weight. And if you don't want to give a bunch of input because you haven't watched film or because you're so frustrated in what happened that you just don't want to go off, that's fine. But you have to come up with a better line than that because that's kind of been his go-to. And you're exactly right. That just wasn't entirely true after the Pistons game. Yeah, yeah and that, that, uh, uh, I was going to say, well, that's one of the one of the things that's kind of hurt me lately and that's kind of fueled some of my frustrations is during this this downturn that they're on right now and, and we're in these pressures after the game and I want these guys to be fired up. I want them to be pissed off, uh, for, for lack of a better term. After that Knicks game, I thought they were going to come in there and be pissed off. And if you hadn't watched any of that game when Taylor Jenkins came in there, you wouldn't even know that that just happened, that he had just got ejected from a game 15 minutes ago. And it's just – and, again, I know they're young. He's a young head coach. Got a lot of young players on his team, your main rotation players are young guys. But – it just seems like they're not taking seriously the magnitude of this. They come into these pressers. They're very blase and cavalier with their comments. Basically, I mean, you had guys after the game uh, last night uh, just basically saying, we, we, we're we happy because we we had the effort. Uh, we played hard, and, and, and that's what matters. And I'm thinking, but did you really play hard? If you played hard, I don't think you lose to this team. I, I, don't, I don't think guys went out there and played it. That's just not what I want to hear after a loss like this, and I think over the last week and a half or so, that's just what you've seen. I think one game, the game at Orlando uh, that they lost, uh, Dylan Brooks showed a little bit of emotion in the pressure after that game. But outside of that, these guys are in a playoff race, and they just seem not to understand the magnitude of it. And it could be the fact that the front office has said this is a developmental season and that that's just kind of trickled down and that's just kind of, the mind frame they have, but I, I would like my players, even if that is the case, to want to win each and every game and be pissed off that they don't. And that's kind of bars at me, especially from the players. I mean, you know from the coach, even though I wish he'd be a little bit more fired up as well, you're going to get somewhat of a coach speak, somewhat of the front office mindset from them, but for the players not to be fired up and upset, it, it just kind of irks me. And me and David talked about this on the podcast last night. You, Dylan Brooks just seemed kind of checked out last night. I think he was frustrated with the way the whistle that he was getting. I think I think he was ready to get out of there. When he found out, I don't think he was very much ups- upset that he was out of that game. I thought he I think he would have rather been anywhere but that game last night. And the body language just hasn't been good. And I don't like what they've been saying lately. And that's just I might be looking and going too deep into it, but that's just I don't like the body language right now. I tell you, I, I think that what I would, go ahead. I I the timing was awful when Jenkins got tossed in that game, but that was great for me because I wanted to see some of that from him and his time with the Grizzlies. You haven't, you haven't watched him. Like there, there's not been a but, moment when he's really spot, <laughs> let them have it. Maybe. And, and it wasn't, you know, like I said, the, the timing was terrible, but to me, it's growth. The, the challenges, we're seeing growth from Jenkins this year, and he's doing a ton of great things. Could he have picked a better time to get those technicals? He could have. But I was, even though 
they may or may not have won the game if he doesn't get the technicals there. They probably don't, I'm, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm okay with him taking those because I was glad to see the fire. I was glad to see him get fired up about it. And Joe, I know we're, we're getting close to your time limit. So I, I'll let you kind of finish up and uh, let everybody know where they can find you and tell them about Grizzly Bear Blues. And, and then we'll get out of here. We appreciate you taking time out of your evening and coming on with us. Definitely. Of, of course. No, I appreciate you guys. I, I'll leave you with this. I think that, and I kind of elaborated my overall philosophy earlier, so I won't reiterate it because I don't want to make you guys more mad at me. I want to come back on YouTube someday, <laughs> maybe have you on uh, have you on ours over at GBB. Um, I think that it's it's a tale of two games. Like, and Isaac, you made a great point about how they were a little more fiery. Like, the, Jenkins was easily the most mad I have heard him after the Magic loss. Like, he was very frustrated. I think that that magic game, the Grizzlies truly felt that they should have won and they let it slip away. The Pistons game, while they should have won it on paper, and I think everybody's in agreement on that, they were rarely, you know, aside from early in the game. In the second half, they they would go on maybe a little mini spurts of runs, get the lead down to five, maybe even three at some point. Uh, I think maybe they tied it a time or two. But but the Pistons would always have a response, right? The Pistons usually kind of ran back up and it got back up to a nine-point lead. I think the Grizzlies were able to kind of more firmly say, this is one of those nights in the NBA. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the, the six games that I think Hubie Brown would talk about every year, or even 10 games, something along those lines. Uh, but the games every year that you were going to lose and you shouldn't have lost and you just throw them out the window and you move on. I think Memphis, right or wrong, uh, because of the way that game played out against the Pistons, was able to say, up, oh, toss it out, win a good game, and they were able to kind of progress. That Magic loss was one that they expected to win, and Cole Anthony hit that shot, and Kyle Anderson defended it pretty well. And that was the fire that you're kind of looking for in a post-game presser, the way that they reacted to that. So I think that growth is a great way to describe it. I think that the way that they're trying to progress towards being a team that is capable of being a sustained contender is smart. I'm in agreement with you that they have to make some sort of move in this offseason to bring in a more veteran presence. I don't know that they need a draft pick in the mid-teens. I, I believe that that could be something they could pair with a Grayson Allen and something else and try to bring in a veteran wing or a veteran big even. Uh, to, to try to balance out the roster. Somebody who's a 3-4 kind of combo player. If you don't believe in Justice Winslow, you know maybe somebody to kind of fill that void. And you, you try to build upon that with a veteran presence that can make things a little bit better for you. Uh, Harrison Barnes was mentioned the other day, but there's a plenty of other guys that could, in theory, be available that you could pursue. Um, and if you don't opt into Justice Winslow, then that opens up a whole realm of possibilities. I think they'll have about $25 million or so in cap space that they could operate with. So uh, there's lots to talk about moving forward with this team, which is a positive thing. It's not like they're the Kings or they're a squad that the future is not as bright at this moment. The future looks pretty great for the Grizzlies. It's just being patient and waiting for it to come. That, that can kind of be difficult and, and not rushing that process. So folks can follow me on Twitter at Joe Mullinax. Uh, they can follow our blog on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. We have tons of talented writers over there, Parker Fleming, Brandon Abraham, as much as he frustrates me, Nathan Chester. <laughs> uh, I, I mentioned Sean Coleman. Justin Lewis had a great piece today. You know, I, I get a lot of flack at times for, for being, I guess, the face of GBB as the site manager, but we have so many talented folks that make up our team 
And it's not just me, you know, and that's the best thing about Grizzly Bear Blues is I, I kind of steer the ship as the site manager. But we have a lot of talented guys and gals over there that are passionate about the team. Check us out at SBN Grizzlies. We have four great podcasts on our podcast network. Uh, we try to put out three to four shows a week. And it's it's all unique voices. We try to make it, you know, from the starting five to core four, three and D, and then my show, GBB Live. Uh, we try to make it eclectic. We try to make a, a place where Grizzlies fans can gather and and it can be something for everybody. You know, chances are you have somebody at GBB that you agree with, and chances are it's probably not me. Yeah, that's what I, I was. Yeah, that's what I was saying last night. What I really like about GBB is it's not all one voice. Everybody, you right. see a lot of these these blogs and sites where. They have a couple guys, and they're all everything. They agree on everything they say, and that's definitely not GBB, and that's a great thing to have guys from you to, to Nathan Chester. I mean, everything in between, Parker Fleming. I mean, all those guys do a great job. Sean Coleman does a fantastic job. So I enjoy everything you guys do, man, and wish we had more time, a lot to delve into. But quickly, before we get you out of here, man, this is totally off subject, but I want to ask you, man, what do you think about uh, your Washington football team not taking a quarterback? I'm totally fine with it. I, I didn't want them to take Mac Jones. I'm not a big believer in him. I, I think he landed in the best place for him in New England. In, in Definitely fairness a great to him. spot. I, I think that's a great fit for him. I don't know that that would have been a good fit in Washington. I think that they have bought into the idea in Washington of building up their roster on both sides of the ball as best they can and have an Roll average quarterback there. Because and, and <laughs> Fitzpatrick's an average quarterback, I think that's fair to say. Alex Smith, as much as I loved him, was not an average quarterback. He was below average at best. So I, I think that you you have that defense back. I love what they did in free agency, signing that corner that they signed. They draft a linebacker. Um, they're in the mix for that Miami safety. I haven't followed up lately and seen if they actually signed him, but I know he visited So the, the Miami uh, Dolphin safety that just Yeah, Bobby, Bobby McCain from, right. from the University of Memphis, actually. So there you go. So I, I think that... They're banking on their defense being really good. Uh, Antonio Gibson, obviously, another University of Memphis prospect or player, uh, is going to probably be a big part of their offense. They signed Curtis Samuel in the offseason. So I really like what, what the Washington football team has done. I think that Dallas, you know, aside from Micah Parsons, uh, I, I think they still have to score 38 points or so a game to win. Uh, but I think Dak Prescott is capable of that. So I think Dallas is going to be a challenge. I think Philly got better. I'm terrified of the Giants. They drafted that receiver from Florida, and that guy's a baller. I also picked I, up Galladay as well. So there you go. So I think that aside from Daniel Jones being their quarterback, who I don't fully believe in, um, the Giants are going to be better. I think the NFC East is going to be one of the best divisions in football next year. I, you know, I, I'm biased. I think Washington has the best roster, but <laughs> I also think we'll that it, it wouldn't be surprising if Dallas won. It wouldn't be surprising if. If New York or Philly won, I think all four of them improved. Yeah, you never know what's going to happen in the FCE from from year to year. They never ever repeat champions. So, uh, doesn't bode well for your for your WFT. But I, I think I think as bad as our defense was last year, I think it, there's nowhere to go but up. I like the hiring of Dan Quinn. I think I think they're going to be better than they were last year. And obviously, you get Dak back, that kind of changes things on offense, and you can take advantage of those big weapons out there. But I know you got to get out of here, man. Thanks for thanks for taking a little time to join us again. Wish we had more time. A lot that we could delve into, but I uh, really enjoyed the conversation. And uh, what what you got to say, David? Uh, that's a you about cover, man, Joe. Thanks again. I think we've said it about 10 times now, but we really <laughs> do appreciate it and look forward to having you back. I was just about to say, we have plenty to talk about and I'm happy to come on. Keep up the good work, guys. I look forward to the next time. Thanks, man. All right. Have a good one.
You too. All right, guys, we're going to wrap it up. Isaac, you got anything else before we get out of here, man? No, man. Again, just thanks to, to David, man. Uh, I mean, thanks to David. Thanks to Joe, man. Did a, to, thanks for Joe, Joe for joining. <laughs> thanks for Joe for joining us tonight, man. They they do a good job over at GBB. So make sure you check out check out their stuff. Uh, again, man, really enjoyed the conversation with him. Wish we had a little bit more time, man, because I wanted to delve a little bit deeper in that. Couldn't couldn't really yeah, get man. deep into it, man. So we just kind of had to had to stay on the surface a little bit, man. But still good good conversation good man. I, I definitely want to get him back on i want to uh you know the the justice winslow talk there was uh intriguing to me yeah i wanted to I, jump I want into to get, it but i look at the time yeah. i was like man <laughs> yeah we, we we filled it up pretty easily so guys we're gonna go ahead and get out of here it was a great time with joe go check those guys over at, at uh grizzly bear blues out they they're doing a lot of great things i am uh i'm not a fan of beating somebody down i think that uh you know if yeah. we unite, that we can all rise together so um you know, like I support them. I, I retweet their stuff all the time. I read everything that they put out, even the guys that I disagree with. And so go check them out. They do a lot of good stuff. We appreciate you guys tuning in. You can get us on Twitter. I'm at DWill2111. The show is at uh, Hoopball Grizz. Man, I'm losing it. <laughs> I, I went backwards today, and it messed me all up. Isaac, let them know where they can find you, man, and get us out of here. Yeah, man, you can find me at Isaac underscore Rivals. That's I-S-A-A-C underscore rivals just like david said go over and follow at hoopball grizz man you can find both of us over there tweeting live tweeting throughout games podcasts after almost every game so make sure you check that out uh we'll be back tomorrow night man uh grizzlies going down to tampa it's weird to say that tampa to take on the toronto raptors so hopefully they can get off the snide man and get a win man they need one right now and it'll be big for them to finish this road trip two and one so hope that's the case and we'll talk to you tomorrow night david been out attempted tomorrow night go free this has been a hoop ball presentation everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.